Jim McGugan is a writer from North Ireland. He wrote a book entitled Jesus, Hero of My Soul. And I want to read you an excerpt out of that book. He says, Having seen Jesus, knowing how he lived his life here, we can't settle for less than a genuine pursuit of his likeness. His very presence among us forbids us to settle for just being nice people who do nice things. Not enough to be the bland leading the bland in both falling into a nice rut. Folks, that's what this summer series has really been about, this signs of life. You know, if you find a body on the side of the road, probably one of the first things you would do would be to look to see if there were any signs of life, isn't it? You'd you'd check to see if they were breathing. You would check to see if they have a pulse. You know, I, I am a snorer, and uh, sometimes I snore loud, sometimes I snore softly, but, but I snore. But if my wife ever wakes up in the middle of the night and she can't hear me snoring, she becomes concerned. And so many a night I have awakened with her, with her hand on my chest or on my back trying to feel some sign of breathing going on. We look for signs of light. And that's true in the body of Christ and in the life of the individual believer as well. And so that's what we've been talking about. What are those things that show signs of life in our walk and our journey as a Christian? We've talked about things like dusty shoes, showing that we're not content just to hang out in the sanctuary, but we're willing to go out into the world and to make a difference. We've talked about worn-out knees, in which we spend our time in prayer, yielding to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit and seeking His guidance and His strength and His power to accomplish what He's called us to do. Today we're talking about rolled up sleeves. Rolled up sleeves have to do with leading an authentic life, a life that is actually doing what it's supposed to do, living out what we say we believe. So I want you to take your Bibles today and turn to the Gospel of John We were in chapter 14 last week. We're going to be in chapter 13 this week. We're hanging in that same section. It's a section in which Jesus is talking to his disciples. In fact, as you're turning there, let me kind of set this up a little bit in the framework of what's taking place in the life of Jesus. The first 12 chapters of the book of John, John records all the different things primarily that are going on in Jesus' public ministry. It's the things he's doing with the crowds, with the throngs of people, with the multitudes. At the end of chapter 12, that that ceases, and what takes place after that is something different. It's Jesus' time with his inner group, with his disciples, and it's leading up to his death upon the cross. I think it's interesting to note that chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 all deal with that night in the upper room. It is called the Upper Room Discourse. It is a sermon by Jesus. And some think it's maybe his greatest sermon, maybe even greater than his Sermon on the Mount. But I think what's interesting about it is when you think about this, the Gospel of John has 21 chapters. It covers the entire life and ministry of Jesus, even up to his resurrection and his time after his resurrection. And yet, five whole chapters. A fourth of the whole Gospel of John deals with a few hours of one night. I don't know about you, but to me, that tells me that this is significant. 
This is something very special that's happening for him to spend that much time on this one night. So let's look at it a little bit and see what Jesus has to say to us. And we're going to read the first 17 verses of John chapter 13. And he writes and says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now by the time of the supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper and laid aside his robe and took a towel and tied it around himself. Next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. And he came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterwards you will know. You'll never wash my feet, ever, said Peter. And Jesus replied, If I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, you're not all clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So Jesus is in the midst of trying to teach his disciples some last truths, some last things as he's getting ready to depart from them. And he's trying to get them to grasp and to understand all of this. And he starts off this passage with a statement about love. In verse 1 of chapter 13, he says, He loved them to the end. And as I said, this, this section 13 through chapter 17 is all part of the same discourse there in the upper room. And the, I want you to just read you the last verse of chapter 17, the last verse of this encounter, this event. He says, I made your name known to them and will make it known, so the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. So he starts out the discourse by telling them, I love you to the end. He ends the discourse by talking about love. And to tell you the truth, there are 155 verses recorded there from uh, chapter 13, verse 1 to chapter 17, the end of the chapter. And all of those verses really deal with the love of Jesus Christ. How he loved them, how he loves us, how he loves the world. And that's the great initiative. You know, how do we accomplish what we've been called to do? How do we go out and make a difference? You know, our t-shirt says, I'm alive because I serve. You notice those brown t-shirts all around you. If you haven't seen it, kind of look around. There's probably somebody sitting close to you that has one. But how do we serve? How are we able to accomplish that? How are we able to go out and make an impact? Well, we do it first out of love. 
says that, that he loved them to the end. One place in some of your translations it says, he loved them to the uttermost. He loved them completely. He loved them unconditionally. He loved them with every fiber of his being. And that's what he calls us, his church, his body, to be about. We're to love. We're to love the world in which he has placed us. We're to love people. Now, I'll admit that's not easy. Sometimes it's real hard. Because as I look out here, some of you are very lovable. Some of you not so much so. That's true for all of us. As lovable as I am, I've discovered some people in life that didn't like me. I can't understand it. But it happens. We have to work at loving other people. We have to work at looking over their faults, their aggravations, their irritations, and love them. We've got to love them enough that we put their needs above our needs. We've got to love them enough that we want to give more to Jesus. As you look through this thing, I think one of the things you need to understand, remember I told you that Chapter 12 kind of ends his public. It ends when he's out there with the crowds where everybody can see him. And what he's doing now is kind of in private. It's kind of in the inner circle. And now it's where he's teaching them and showing them humility. Here's where he's teaching them and, and showing them authenticity. And we need to hear that. That's an insight into how you and I need to operate, what we need to be like. Because a lot of times there are those of us who do something and it might be a good something. But we do it for the recognition. We do it for the pat on the back. We do it so that folks will know we've done it. I read a comic strip recently. It was a Dagwood comic strip. And he and his boss had gone to a restaurant and the boss wasn't getting the service he thought he should get from the waiter. And he tells him, do you know who I am? I am J.C. Dithers, president of J.C. Dithers Company. At which point the waiter said back, I'm Bob Jones, waiter at this restaurant, about to quit and go move out of town. You know, my are like J.C. We want people to know who we are. We want people to know what we've done for Jesus. We want them to see it. But that's not what humility is all about. That's not what authenticity is all about. It's not so much what we're like when we're out there doing it. It's what we're like in our heart. What we're like in private. That's where we need to be most like Jesus. And then here he gives to us a powerful illustration of how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to serve and what we're supposed to be. And it says there, beginning in verse 4, so he got up from supper and it tells us that he laid aside his robe And it says he took up the towel. And basically what he's doing is our equivalent of rolling up your sleeves. It's getting down to business. He's getting ready to work. But what he's done is he's removed the robe and all the garments that would identify him as teacher and Lord and somebody of any kind of significance. And he's now taken on the dress of a servant, a slave. And the scripture says, he took the towel, tied it around himself. And next he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. Now, folks, you need to grasp this. You need to understand this. What's taking place here is just unbelievable because a Jewish man would not do what Jesus did. This was a job for the slave. You know, if you had someone come to your house, they'd come in 
and after they had walked and traveled on those dusty roads, their feet would be dirty, and so you would have one of your slaves there to wash their feet. Or maybe you might have one of your younger children do it, but certainly it was not something you would do. It was beneath you. It was below your standard. And yet here is Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior of the world, wrapping the towel around his waist and washing the feet of the disciples. He's teaching us about servanthood. He's teaching us about humility. This morning I was watching TV and saw this TV preacher and he, he gave an illustration that just fit right in with this so I had to steal it from him and stick it into my sermon this morning. He was talking about far too many of us as Christians come into this experience with a bib tucked in. We're like we're at the fancy restaurant. And what's it for me? Let me have this. Let me have that. He says we need to take the bib off and lay the towel over our hand. Stop being the customer and start being the server. That's what Jesus is telling us. We need to serve Him. We need to serve others. We need to humble ourselves and do the work to which he has called us to do. And then he gives us some instructions here. And I want you to look over to, chapter, to verse 12. It says, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his robe, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So Jesus asked them a question. He says, do you know what I'm talking about? Do you know what's taking place here? And the interesting thing is, I'm not sure the disciples got it because over in Luke's account of this, in the midst of all this that's going on, Luke records that they got into an argument with each other. Anybody remember what that argument was about? Who would be the greatest? Here's Jesus teaching them about humility with the greatest object lesson of all times, the greatest dramatic presentation of what it's all about. And they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. But Jesus says to them, do you know what I just did for you? Because you see, folks, understand this. Knowledge produces accountability. If you don't know, it's one thing. But when you do know, you're going to be held accountable. That's true with our children, isn't it? When we've given them instruction, when they know what's expected of them, we hold them accountable for that. We've never told them. If they don't know, we can't. And Jesus says, you know now. I've showed you. And folks, I hope you grasp this. This is not about washing feet. This is about serving in humility. This is about being the body of Christ. But he says to us, knowledge produces accountability. And then he also says, I've given you an example. Look at verse 15. For I have given you an example that you, should, you also should do as I have done for you. I assure you, a slave is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. See, we can sometimes say, well, I, I didn't know how to go about doing it. Jesus said, no, I've given you an example. And while knowledge produces accountability, the example increases our responsibility. We, we need 
to listen and to do. We're saying we're trying to be like Christ as Christians. We're trying to live in His likeness. We're trying to follow His example. Well, He gave us the example. And now we have the responsibility to live up to it. And then I want you to look at the last verse that we read this morning. Verse 17. He says, if you know these things, you're blessed. Well, it would be nice if he stopped right there, wasn't it? It would be nice if that was all the verse said, but that's not what it says. It says, if you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. See, it's all about obedience. Obedience determines our authenticity. It's not just knowing the stuff. Most of us in this room know lots of stuff about all sorts of different things. I've been a sports player and a sports fan all of my life. There there are a lot of sports I've played. Some of them normal sports like football and basketball and baseball. Some of them a little off the wall like water polo. But there was a time when I knew about every sport that was. I mean, I devoured everything. I read rule books about sports I'd never seen in my life. And I could tell you how to play them, and I could tell you all the rules, but I'd never played it. I'd never been out on the field. I'd never done anything. There wasn't a lot of real authenticity to my knowledge. But he calls us. He says, you know these things, and folks, I want you to understand, we don't have that excuse anymore. We can't say, well, I didn't know. Every one of you in here today now knows God's words told us. He's given us an example. And he says, if you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. It's all about obedience. It's all about doing. And as part of that today, we want to give you an opportunity to do. I mean, that's what we've been doing all summer. We've been talking about serving the body of Christ. And we've talked about this August 21st event. We're going out into the schools. We're going to do something. We're going to be cleaning up. We're going to be landscaping. We're going to be painting. We don't know exactly what it is at what school. It's whatever that school needs. But we need you to be a part of it. And so part of our invitation today is a response to that. Now, I know, as I said, some of you I know signed up in your Bible fellowship class at 930, but a lot of you didn't. And in your bulletin today was that little card, that commitment card that says, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be a part of it. I want you to take that out. I want you to fill it out right now. And you're going to have an opportunity right this moment. We're going to make it as easy as you can. You're not going to have to get up and take it anywhere. The toughest thing you're going to have to do is fill it out. And then once you fill it out, I want you to pass it towards the middle. So that means these two groups, you're passing it in this direction. These two over here, you're passing it towards that aisle. These over here, you're passing it towards that aisle. So go ahead, fill it out, and begin passing it over. Be a part of what God's doing. Now, if you know, hey, there's not a chance in the world I'm coming on August 21st, then don't fill it out. Don't feel any peer pressure. Fill it. Maybe you're going to be gone. Maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you're away at work. I mean, there's a lot of folks that aren't going to be able to be here for legitimate reasons. But if you can be here and be a part of it, I want you to pass it a minute. Our, our ushers are going to come. They're going to take them up. And folks, this is a non-threatening way to serve. You know, we're not asking you to go out and knock on a strange door and, and, you know, share the plan of salvation, which if you want to do that, we can give you opportunity to do that as well. This is taking a rake, taking a hoe, doing a shovel, 
We'll probably even let some of you be supervisors. You can do that. But sign up. Be a part of what God's calling His church to do. Folks, we're going to make an impact. You know, our, our motto, our calling is to impact our community and our world for Jesus Christ. What a great place to begin to impact in our schools. To let them know we care, we love them. We love students, we love teachers, we love people. Quickly, pass it in. They're going to get it, they're going to be gone. While they're doing that, I want to call your attention to another verse in our passage today. I want you to look at verse 7. Verse 7, Peter's already asked him, Lord, what is it you're doing? And Jesus replies there. He says, what I'm doing, you don't understand now. But afterwards, you'll know. And I want you to understand something today, folks. He's talking about more than what's taking place in the example of washing feet. He's pointing them ahead to what's going to take place on the cross and what He's doing for all of us as He goes to the cross. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to Philippians chapter 2. And I want you to listen to these verses. And as you listen to them, I want you to compare them with what Jesus has just done in the upper room with the foot washing. Chapter 2 beginning in verse 5. He says, Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, it says there in verse 7, he emptied himself. Do you understand? In the upper room, he took off his robe. In eternity, he took off his heavenly garb. Took off all of his heavenly adornment and emptied himself. And it says, assume the form of a slave. Taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Think back to chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Jesus loved those here on the earth. He loved them all the way to the end. See, Jesus didn't hold back anything. He went to the cross and died for your sin and for mine. And verse 9 says, For this reason God also highly exalted him, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, folks, it wasn't about washing feet. And it wasn't just about how we are to serve, but it was there as an example to them, as an illustration to them of what was going to take place when God's Son, Jesus Christ, 
went to the cross and died for your sin and for mine. You see, we talk about the good news of the gospel. Do you realize the Bible has a lot of bad news in it? In fact, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's pretty bad news. Every one of us in this room has come short of the glory of God. Every one of us in this room is a sinner. And there's even worse news in the Bible. It says the wages of sin is death. In other words, what we've earned by being sinners is death and separation from God. It's what you earned, that's what I earned. That's where the good news kicks in. Because God's Word tells us that God demonstrated His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you, for your sins, and for you, for you, for you, and you, and for me. And then the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And folks, that's what it's all about. We're sinners. Folks who mess up, make mistakes, and fall short of God's glory. And what we deserve is to be forever, eternally separated from Him, but He loved us so much that He provided a way He sent His Son. You see, sin requires a penalty. That penalty is death. But we don't have to die because Jesus Christ died for us. That's God's gift to us. That's God's love showing through. As I said a moment ago, the passing in of our cards were a part of our invitation, responding to His call on our lives. But now we come to the most important invitation of all. The most important call of all. There are some of you in here this morning who still desperately need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need a Savior. You need to have your sins forgiven. You need to experience everlasting life. And Jesus offers that gift to you today. His invitation is to come. Come and take my gift. Come and receive me. Jesus emptied himself. Took on the form of a servant. For you. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads, as we think about your word, as we open our hearts, Father, I know that in a room this size, there are people who are still living their lives apart from you. They may come Almost every Sunday. 
Or it may be the first time they've set foot in your house. But right now, they need your gift of salvation. They need to accept the gift that you gave them on the cross when you paid the price for their sins. They need to come today and just say, I want Jesus. Father, would you just impress that upon their heart right now to the point, Lord, where they can't resist you anymore. They just come. And Father, there are those here today who need to come in response to your call to be a part of this church, to join with us, to fellowship, to serve here. Father, whatever our need is right now, this is your invitation, your time, Lord. Speak to our hearts. Lead us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.